last week that today is a very special day, and there's a lot of reasons. We have Memorial Day. We got to pray for Kayla this morning. There's a lot of things going on, but it's a really, really special day because you have a great blessing. You don't have to listen to me today. You get to listen to somebody else, and so it's a really special day on those days, isn't it? Because you know you have to hear me yap most of the time, Um, and so today we have uh, a very special privilege. Uh, We have our district superintendent of the Wesleyan Church. We are part of a network, a global network of churches called the Wesleyan Church. And um, and so on uh, there about once a year, our district superintendent, who is the leader of our district, which is the state of Wisconsin for us, all the Wesleyan churches in Wisconsin, the district superintendent goes around and he talks to the churches and he gives uh, some vision for uh, the, 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 the district and some of the new exciting things that are happening in our district in the Wesleyan churches. And uh, and he's also going to share uh, some some other things like some new exciting partnerships that we're going to start having. There's also uh, I was mentioning to Kayla earlier, we have a new international partnership that he's going to share today uh, with the Wesleyan Church in our district. And I'm really, really excited about it because as a church, we're going to start getting involved in this uh, and traveling over there. And so he's going to share some of that. And uh, so anyway, all that stuff is really exciting, and he's going to come up and he's going to share some of those things, but he's also going to share a message today as well from uh, what God wants to tell us today, just like we normally do here at Northridge. But it's also really special because the district superintendent also happens to be my father. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that's just one of those kind of, that's one of those weird things, you know? I mean, you're sitting at the dinner table, we're like, okay, here we're going to talk about church, we're going to talk about normal things. You know what I mean? Uh, but we're excited to have you. So, Dad, if you would go ahead and come up, if you guys welcome my dad. Uh, yeah, and I, and, I, and I haven't told you, his name is Dan, so he's Pastor Dan, uh, so that is, but again, I know him as Dad. So, uh, Dad, turn it over to you. Thanks for All being right. here. All right, thank you, thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here with you this morning. And before I do the message, I do want to share just uh, some snapshots to give you a picture. You know, when you're sitting in a local church, uh, you're focused on that local church. So I just want to expand the horizon just a little bit and share uh, two or three things. So Northridge is one of 5,000 and more local congregations in almost 100 countries around the world. The Wesleyan Church, unlike many denominations, is growing in North America and it is growing dramatically in other places around the world. Northridge is a part, as, as Pastor Brent shared, is a part of the Wesleyan denomination. And uh, we were born out of the Methodist tradition in the mid-1800s, primarily over some things that we call social issues. And just as, a, just as a, a snapshot for you, just a couple of things. One is many of our churches and many of our people, particularly in the South, were a part of the abolitionist movement and were part of the Underground Railroad. And so they were very active, and, and that was a major point for the Wesleyan Church actually being born back there in the mid-1800s. The other, the other thing is we also took a stand on uh, women's rights, Uh, Interestingly enough, both in our culture and in the church, in 1848, the first meeting of women's rights was actually held in a Wesleyan church in New York. And also, the first woman who was ever ordained in the United States of America back in the 1800s, the message was preached by a Wesleyan pastor. So we have a fascinating, interesting history here in Wisconsin We're also very passionate about cross-cultural and multi-ethnic ministries. 
We just finished a partnership we were involved in for 15 years in Nicaragua. We started with nothing. There was nothing there. Today, now there are 20 churches and three schools. There is a a medical training uh, program that's in existence right now. And we also have a Bible Institute that is there for the ongoing training and and, uh, partnership with those who need to be uh, called and, and prepared. And we have five ordained ministers. So we just finished that in, in the last 15 years. And now, uh, Pastor Brent also mentioned about this new partnership. We are excited that we feel God is leading us to go into the country of Uganda. That's somewhere close to uh, Zambia, <laughs> there in, in, in South Central um, Africa. But we're just thrilled and excited. I was over there about a year and a half or so ago and exploring that. And Lucas Hamiri, who is the national superintendent, actually is going to be in Wisconsin for a couple of weeks here in the month of June just to kind of expand our, our vision for that. But, but we are so excited about that because we can come alongside to assist with construction and leadership training and rescuing children, economic, agricultural development, medical needs, clean water, all of those kinds of things that we are going to be a part of. And you will be hearing, as as Pastor Brand also mentioned, that you're going to be hearing more about that, how you can be a part of that. So lastly, before I I jump into the message, uh, I want to just say a couple of things. I want to commend you and your pastor for an incredible job of making a difference in people's lives here in Wanakee. Um, You're an incredible group of people. I'm not just saying that because Brent is my son, but I I don't know if you realize the story that you have helped to write here over the last three years, but God is doing some incredible things through you as Northridge Church here in North Dean County in Wanakee, and you have a great pastor too, even though he has the same last name as me. (laughs) Brent and Laura, I want to thank you. Um, for your leadership, and I want to thank you for your love for these people, for this congregation, and for this community. So we believe that it's, it's so important that a pastor is not just called to pastor a local church, but to pastor a local church that is going to pastor a community, that is going to lead a community in making a difference. And so, um, Brent... I'm proud to call you my son. And I'm also proud to have you as the pastor of this church. And I am privileged and proud to be a part of this congregation. This is my home church too, even though I have to travel around a lot and you don't see me very much. But this is my home church. And I am really proud and and blessed to be a part of that. So as we begin this morning, I'd like you to look at this picture. There it is. This is the end of World War II. Now, most of us probably weren't around at that time. I know I wasn't. But it's the people that are cheering for the troops that have come home after a victory in Europe and around the world. A few years ago, there was, a, there was a phrase that was coined, coined balcony people. 
These are the people that are positive and upbeat and who cheer you on and encourage you. They build you up. They pull you up. And the Bible has a ton of balcony people. So we're going to talk about balcony or basement people this morning. And let's ask ourselves the question, which am I? Am I a balcony person or am I a basement person? And Paul is going to talk about this at the end of his, um, the end of his letter that he wrote to Rome, the Roman church in Rome, Italy, and he wrote it from Corinth in Greece. When he wrote that letter, there's a ton of theology in the first part of that. And then the last part of the whole, the whole letter that he writes to the church at Rome, he lists this whole bunch of names. Okay? There's 35 names. In Romans chapter 16, verses 1 through 24, Paul lists all of these names. Now, you look at these names, all right? These are the names that we would give to our children today, right? <laughs> Ampliatus, yeah, Rufus, Erastus, and Quartus. I love those names. Yeah, Brent, you guys should have named our grandkids that. I mean, really, come on. So, so they're not common household names, are they? They're, they're, a lot of them are Greek names, and so they're, you know, they're actually kind of strange to us, but they were very familiar and common names back in those days. But what is interesting and fascinating to me is that Paul, in his letter, mentions and writes out and spells correctly all of these names. For a person to hear and see their name in print matters, doesn't it? I mean, come on. You get the Wanaki paper, you open it up, you know, is my, is my daughter, my son, my name, you know, a picture in there. You know, when, when we go to graduation ceremonies, for example, um, we sit there for two or three hours. And why do we sit there for two or three hours? We sit there for, for two or three seconds. Right? And what are we listening for? We're listening for the name of that person that may be a son or a daughter or a grandson or a granddaughter, somebody that's graduating. And so we sit through this whole thing for about two seconds to hear their name, and they walk across the stage, and it's all done. But it's important to us, isn't it? The name that is spoken, the name that is written, is extremely important. Now, when I was in Washington, D.C. for some meetings, and it wasn't with the president, by the way, <laughs> but um, I was there for a couple, three days, and we went on a memorial tour. So we got on a bus in the evening, and we went around, and we stopped at the different memorial places. And one of the special ones for me, because it was my era, was the Vietnam War. I was a young adult during the Vietnam War, and I remember getting out of the bus and, and going over and looking that, and, it, and, and it's a wall. The Vietnam Memorial is a wall. It's just a wall. But what makes that wall special? You know exactly what makes it special. It's the names that are written on that wall. The names of thousands and thousands of young men and women who gave their lives for our country. And just a few months ago, a good friend of mine, Vernon, 
who served in Vietnam just hosted a, a group of the other ve veterans in Washington, D.C. for what is known as the honor flight. He just went there. He was a veteran uh, of that. But it's a special wall. It's a special place because of the names that are written there. Now, Paul does not just give the names of the people in Romans chapter 16. He also mentions what they did for him. Now, there's a whole list here that I want you to look at. He, he gives these names of Rufus and, you know, Aristobulus and all those people. And then he says, these are the things that they did for me. In other words, this is how they impacted my life. This is, this is what they did for me and my ministry. So you just, you can read down through there. They risked their lives for me. They were in prison for me. They, they were tested and approved. They were my administrative assistant. They were the village administrator of Wanakee kind of person. So he lists all of these different people and what they did, and they made a difference. They made an impact for him. One of the things that kind of stood out to me was one of the things he said. It was, he was talking about Rufus. Wouldn't, Brent, wouldn't you love to, for us to have called you Rufus? Rufus, Rufus, Daniel, come here, Rufus. But it was, it was Rufus's mom that Paul is talking about here. And he said, like a mom to me. Now, why is that important? Well, let me, let me just explain. Out of my own personal experience, when we were, we, Rini and I both grew up in Indiana, and we felt the Lord was calling us, and so we moved to a foreign country. It was called South Dakota. <laughs> and then a little bit later, we came to another foreign country, which was called Wisconsin. And what we did not realize was fairly soon after we had gotten there, and, and we had Brent and Bryce our two sons, what we didn't realize was that we were a long ways from our parents. Both of our parents grew up in Indiana and lived there in Indiana. And we had taken our grandchildren away from grandma and grandpa. And we were also a long ways away. Now, we made a commitment to at least two times a year try to get back. It was about an 18, 20-hour trip for us to get back from Rapid City back to Indiana. But when, when Paul says, Rufus' mom, Rufus' mom, I love that, was like a mom to me. It reminded me of the fact that we need people like you in our churches who will become the surrogate moms and dads People in our churches, we were so blessed to have people that became surrogate moms and dads to us and surrogate grandmas and grandpas to our kids. We need people. There are people in Wanakee. There are people in this community who need moms and dads, who need grandmas and grandpas, who need aunts and uncles, who need big brothers and big sisters who will love them and pour into them and invest in them and become a balcony person to them. So he, he talks about all of these people and, and what they did for him. So why did he do that? He 
because in one way or another, they invested and impacted his life. So let me ask you a question. Who has invested in you? Who has become that surrogate mom or dad or that person who has become a balcony person who is standing like Paul is describing and modeling here in the last part of this chapter in, in the book of Romans? Who has become that person? Who, who has been that person to you? And secondly, have you thanked them? Have you said thank you? Have you expressed in some way or another that they are special to you because of what they have done for you in your life. Now, this is Memorial Day weekend. We honor the military, and, but also the loved ones and the friends who are long, no longer with us. But it's also a great time to remember those who are still with us and have impacted our lives. And what I would like to suggest to you this morning on this Memorial Day weekend is why not remember them and thank those who have invested in us while they are still with us? When I was in Rapid City, I was talking with a heartbroken young man who had uh, just lost his father. And sadly, he had been estranged from his father. They had been at odds over some things, and they hadn't spoken to or communicated for quite some time. And they were living in, in different communities, different places, and he got word that his father had died. And so we were talking about this, and he was just distraught. I mean, he was so messed up because he realized that the opportunity for him to be able to say some of the things that he really knew he needed to say and wanted to say to his dad, that, that time was gone. And so um, in, in talking with him, I, I just said, well, the second best thing that I would suggest to you is for you to write down, write a letter and say all of the things that you should have or could have said to your dad while he was living. And so, so he did that, three or four pages. And I said, let's go to the casket. And we stood by the casket and I stood there with him while he read that letter. Dear Dad, and he walked through all the things. Now, did it replenish and replace the relationship, restore the relationship that they had had? No. That was too late for that, obviously. But you know what it did was it healed his heart. It healed his heart. So who is invested in you and have you thanked them? Now, in the middle of this list of names, Paul calls time out. He says, let me say a couple of words about the non-balcony people. I call them the other BPs, and that's not beyond petroleum. That's not the gas company, okay? I call them the other BPs, the basement people, all right? So in Romans chapter 16, verse 17 and 18, we have these verses up. So uh, read those uh, with me. Watch out for the people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching them things that are contrary to what you have been taught. Stay away from them. Such people are not serving Christ, but they are serving their own interests. By smooth talk and glowing words, they, re- they deceive innocent people. So he calls time out. Here's a warning about people that are not balcony people. They're basement people who cause trouble and divisions and 
really are standing underneath. They look at the underbelly of life, and they suck you down into the basement. That's why we call them basement people. And he said, beware and be careful of these kind of people. Now, what we, what we understand and realize is that many times basement people are basement people because they have, unfortunately, been surrounded by people who have been basement people, who have drugged them down the stairs, and that's all the modeling. It might be parents, it might be bosses or teachers or whatever it is, but people that model that basement, and that's, that's all they can see. They can see the underbelly of life, and they suck other people down into those things. So what's the point? The point is every day you and I wake up with a choice that we can make every day. Every day. Are we going to be balcony people or are we going to be in the basement? Are we going to look for ways to affirm and thank people or to tear them down and criticize them daily? Every day we have that choice. We have the choice to add value to other people or to devalue people. Now, we can be balcony people in two simple but powerful ways, and you understand this. We can do it directly or we can do it indirectly. Directly is where we actually say to the person, whether it's in print or in person, we say to that person, thank you for what you did. Thank you for who you are. So we say those things to that person. And indirectly, of course, we can talk to other people. Now, let me just be, let me just be personal here. There's, there's some people that I have made on my list, okay? There, there are people names that you probably don't recognize or don't remember. But one is Bonnie Tippy. She was my kids' church teacher who loved me enough to discipline me in kids' church. Uh, if, if you were to... Uh, if you were to look at my report cards, you would understand that, that, that the teachers, when they would write, you know, those little comments at the end of the year, they were challenged to write good comments about me. Yeah, they, they were. Uh, I mean, that's the way I was. And I was that way in church, too. And so Bonnie Tiffey was this, this, this incredible person who taught Sunday school and kids church for me. And there was one day when she just, you know, she pulled me out in the hall and she just said, she looked down at me, those big round eyes, loving eyes. And she, Danny Bickle, you can do better than this. (laughs) And she, I mean, she, she flailed me. I mean, she laid me out. But you know what? I, well, I remember that. That was a couple years ago. But I still remember. <laughs> I still remember her. I still remember those eyes. I still remember her looking at me. And I went away saying, feeling really bad because I knew I, I talked incessantly and I was, I was disruptive. I was a pain in the neck. But I remember that she loved me enough to discipline me. And even though she said some hard things to me face to face, I went away. And to this day, years later, I know that she loved me. That was powerful. There are a couple of other people. Bob Vardaman, he was my pastor. I was a mess in high school my junior year. I was at a crossroads in my life. And 
and I just didn't know what to do. And I went and I, I sat down with my pastor. And, and I remember all the counsel that he gave to me. But I do, I do remember still, I still re, I have that photograph in my mind of that office where I sat across the desk. And I remember that he loved me and he prayed for me and he listened to me. He was a balcony person in my life. I coached Jim Lambert. He was my track and cross country coach who taught me how to run and achieve at a high level. I'm still connected with him today back in Muncie, Indiana. My junior year, we run, we, uh, we, I ran cross country and we, we won the state championship in Indiana. Guess where my medal is? It's been hanging around my neck ever since. Just, just, just kidding. It's in a box tucked away someplace. But you know what? That medal means far, far less to me than Coach Jim Lambert. Because he was a balcony person in my life. Now as we close this morning, in a culture in America that has lost its way regarding this powerful reminder in Scripture, whether verbally or written, for many electronically, we need constant reminders, don't we, of the rules of engagement as we communicate with each other. On the refrigerator of my grandkids' school, they have a pretty cool, simple acronym. Many of you would know it here in Wanakee. It says, before you speak, think. T-H-I-N-K. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? And by the way, our fingers and thumbs are extensions of our tongues. One of the most significant ways that Christ followers can and should stand out in our culture and in this electronic age is in the use of our tongues, our fingers, and our thumbs. A simple rule of thumb, pun intended, for how we communicate electronically is information and affirmation, period. Information and affirmation. As I wrap up, let me just ask you a couple of questions. First of all, who has been a balcony person to you? I would encourage you on your, on your phone or, or sometime today or even this weekend, sometime just to sit down and, and make the list. I've made my list. I shared with you some of those this morning. Who have been the people that have been a balcony person to you? Write it down. And then secondly, do something about it. If they are still living today, write them a note. Make a phone call. Skype. Go visit them. Do something about it to affirm what they have done and how they have invested in you. And then the second, and I think as as important and even more important than that, is for us to make the decision to say, who am I going to invest in? Who am I going to be a balcony person to? Maybe even write that one down and just say, maybe some of you as parents or grandparents, you're going to say, I am going to learn and I'm going to be a balcony person to my kids, to my grandkids, to whoever that is. What if everyone here committed themselves to being a balcony person? How would that change your home, your school, your workplace, your church, 
your neighborhood, your community. Let's determine to get up every day to be a balcony person to others. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for this reminder of Paul and his life to be a balcony person. He, he listed all those names. God, help us and remind us how important it is for us to remember and to remember to thank those who have been balcony people to us. And help us also to commit ourselves to invest in others, to be a balcony person to others, as Paul has reminded us here today. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.